Don't worry, I'm pretty sure no one died over in the children's ministry area, so if you're hearing some screaming, I'm pretty sure it's just straight fun. But anyways, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. Uh, you're in for a uh, one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is help you connect with God in a worshipful way, and then help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style may just be a bit different than other churches you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously, and we want to help you take your next step each week you are here. This week, it's a special week here at Centerpoint. It's a standalone Sunday, meaning one that's not part of our series. Normally, we do about three or four week series, uh, but it's what we call Celebration Sunday. And we have these four to six times a year, and it's a service that's very different th style than our typical week here, as there's no real message, but instead celebrations. Celebrations in four main areas. So there's, of those four areas, we're going to talk about them, but none of them are a full sermon. So you're welcome for that. It's not part of today. Uh, but what we will do is we're going to celebrate growth, both the spiritual and physical growth of Centerpoint, all that's around what's happening here in the church, meaning the updates, the big changes, the accomplishments, projects, successes as a church. The second component would be new, uh, new life, meaning baby dedications. Babies are something to celebrate. Parents uh, that want to dedicate their child to God, uh, meaning they're willing to say they're going to raise their child uh, in a manner that serves God. Uh, dedicate them through a public service. Um, it has some parallels with maybe what you know as baby or infant baptism. Um, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit here. The third uh, component of Celebration Sunday is we celebrate life change. Uh, either people's change in their growth of relationship with God or starting a relationship with God. So part of Celebration Sunday is faith stories hearing how faith has changed people's lives. And then finally, we'll take communion. That's the fourth component. Sometimes churches call this the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Today, we will teach on what communion is and why you should take it or maybe why you shouldn't take it and give you an opportunity to do it in your seat. Well, now you know what to expect. Let's kick off with our part one, which is about three minutes on celebration of what's happening here as a church, what's happening as part of Centerpoint. So anyways, Centerpoint, we're less than one year old. That's, that's crazy, less than one year old. We're coming up on our one year anniversary, uh, so we're still a very, very new church. And uh, even amid summer, we have had an average attendance of over 100 people every Sunday. That's amazing. Let's clap for that. Like, that's awesome. I know at times it feels like y'all are like vacationing together, like going out, and then at times it's like, whoa, everybody's stuck in Fond du Lac, but um, we've averaged over 100 people every Sunday, so that's awesome. Uh, we have, our kids' attendance has grown significantly. We have 27 kids is, is our average every Sunday. That's a crazy ton of kids over there. Um, so you'll hear we're going to two services because of that. Um, but we started with like five or six last September. So that's amazing. Uh, we have over 400 people in our database right now, meaning people who have either given here or have been uh, attending here, filled out a card, whatever it is. Um, there's 400 people that are now in the midst of things happening here at Centerpoint. There's 535 people on our, our Facebook page. You got to check it out. That, that means people that are seeing our, da our daily posts and things like that. Over 100 of the people are getting our weekly email that's sent out by me. Um, if you don't get it, you should fill out one of those cards in front of you. I promise it doesn't suck. 
it's a good email, all right? Like, I spent some time on it, so fill out one of those cards. You can put it in the offering bins later on, um, but just put your name and email on it, and you'll get the email. I think we have about 120 people that get that, uh, so that's, that's amazing. So fill out that card, or you can do it online on our website. There's a spot where you can... Uh, the other one, the blue one, yep, where you can fill out your name and put your email right on our website, which is centerpointfdl. Uh, we also, as we're gearing up for the fall, we have over 100 people serving here monthly. That one we got we to clap for. That's, a, that's amazing. That's amazing. We call that whoever serves on Sunday the dream team. They make the dream of a church happen, um, and it's the team that makes Sundays happen here. Um, so if you want to join the Dream Team, you can sign up at that Welcome Center, that area back there. Uh, we also, like, if you're on the Dream Team and you never got a mug, you can take one of those mugs with you. That's for you of being a part of the Dream Team. Uh, another component of celebrating as a church is our giving, what happens here for giving. Uh, it's above budget. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we set a, a budget of about $1,800 a week um, for our building space, material, coffee, all the things that happen here on Sundays. Uh, and our giving, our average giving has exceeded that by about 30%, which is just awesome. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, we could clap at all these, I guess, if you wanted, but it's all... Um, that's allowed us to kind of have a savings and prepare for things in the future, do more outreach, missions, all of that. So we're excited about that. Uh, and then today, we have four people getting baptized, uh, four scheduled people. That's amazing, because let's be real, baptism is weird, right? It's like this, this church thing of going in the water, getting dunked, being brought back up. But it's amazing to see that we have four people that are committing to say, hey, I'm following Jesus, and I want others to know that. So we're going to have a big celebration. you hear more about what that celebration will look like in a little bit. Uh, but that's, that's amazing. It's our first ever baptism. Then to, to celebrate what's to come for future growth of church, we're going to have two services this fall, more opportunities to attend, serve, invite your friends and family. Uh, we have eight different life groups starting. Um, so these are the different leaders. You can sign up at our website. Life groups are, are groups that meet during the week. They study uh, like a, a, a book or they study uh, a video series. And what they'll do is they'll lead you in discussion. And I promise they're not weird. All right, they're, they're, they're fun, they're, they're engaging people, they'll help you grow in your relationship with God, and they'll help you grow in a relationship with others. So hop into a community group. We have one every day of the week besides Friday and Saturday, so that's awesome. Uh, we have our first teen life group that's coming up, so if you're a teen out in the room, you can sign up for that at Centerpoint FDL as well. Uh, we have uh, a marriage summit coming up, and then finally we have a serving summit coming up, meaning a, a rally day behind serving and making sure our marriages as a church are doing awesome. So much to get plugged in and so much to be excited about, right? Um, so all this, though, is with the intention to help people know and grow in their relationship with Jesus. We want people to grow in their relationship with God. So exposure, we talked about exposure, attendance, baptism, serving, giving. That shows growth, right? So that's why I'm sharing these things with you. It shows growth as in a church and individual lives, and it's definitely something for us to celebrate. As you hear these things, you might be like, I got to get plugged in. You do. Yeah, you definitely do. Get plugged in. Sign up for the Dream Team or get plugged into a group or just be here on Sundays and be a part of all that's happening. There's some really cool things to be a part of. Uh, now, as we go into the second part of Celebration Sunday, it's baby dedications, baby dedications. And this time around, we don't actually have a baby dedication happening, but I want to explain it to you as we have another one coming up in October. 
what child dedication is, is it something similar to what maybe a traditional church is, uh, would do for infant baptism? Going through the Bible, uh, we see there's more emphasis on believer's baptism, which is when people make a personal decision to follow Jesus, to follow him on their own, we then see them get baptized. And that's what we're going to actually see happen later today at the picnic. Um, but to see an infant make that decision, it wasn't very clear for us. With that said, we chose not to do infant baptisms. If you have a preference for that, that's totally fine. That's between you and God. And I'm assuming a lot of us growing up in the Midwest— Maybe have been baptized as a baby. Uh, I was, and it was a special moment for my parents, for a family member. Uh, but I don't personally remember it myself. I don't remember making a decision to do that, which is why we put an emphasis on believer's baptism. With that said, baby dedications are something we see people in the Bible do to show that they're raising their child up in a manner that's honorable to God. Uh, there's two examples of this. There's in 1 Samuel, like it's this person named Hannah. She says she's going to dedicate her son Samuel to, uh, to God and like make sure that he is one that's fully honorable to God. So that's, that's a really great example in the Old Testament. Along with the New Testament, we see Jesus is actually dedicated by his parents. In Luke 2, 22, it says this, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In October, again, we'll have another opportunity for people to dedicate their child. If you have questions about this, you can catch me after and we can talk. Uh, so boom, two of the four done. We're flying through things. It's going to be a short, week, short Sunday. Not quite. Uh, these next two parts, parts will take a little bit longer. Well, as we talk about celebration, uh, we're talking about life change. Life change happening here at Centerpoint. And today we're going to hear a faith story of a couple that is actually getting baptized today, which is just awesome. Their names are, are Brady and Lisa Kieran. Um, we're going to hear how their faith journey has been developing for a long time. It's been something that's been there for a long time, but it's been one that's been full of ups and downs, marriage struggles, alcoholism, doubt, yet finally made a decision to put their past behind them and pursue Jesus with their lives. Uh, so hearing these stories, when you, when you sit in the seats, they're so inspiring, right? Because I think we've all been there to some extent on our own level, right? Our own struggles, whether that's relationally or marriage, uh, doubts, addiction, hurt, ups and downs with things. Well, Brady and Lisa, they shared their story with me this week, and we're going to watch a video of them kind of sharing their journey in faith uh, and then we'll see where, uh, we'll hear where they're at today and how they're ready for baptism today. So check out this video. Um, well, I grew up in the church, um, so that's really all I remember. Um, you know, I went to church a lot, you know, during high school, um, and that is when we met, um, but he hadn't really been going to church too much, he grew up a little bit in, in the Episcopalian church. Um, yeah, went there as a kid, um, kind of was dragged to church, I guess, um, didn't really get much out of it, but yeah, I grew up Episcopalian, uh, but hadn't gone in a long time uh, when I did meet my wife. Um, but we, we met in high school, dated through high school, got married right out of high school. Um, Thank God. Uh, we, did get, we did get pregnant um, early, um, so we started our family early. 
and uh, for years I would take the kids uh, by myself. He didn't, didn't have the interest yet uh, to go, but we would, I would just pray for him, you know, every week, and I would continue to go, and then eventually, one week. It was Easter. She she invited me on Easter, which is the everybody goes to Easter and Christmas, and that's when I went. Uh, again, never got anything out of my church, uh, really, for either one of those ceremonies, but she brought me to the chapel, which was a new church. Similar to this, um, in, in a high school uh, gym was where they started, but the energy that happened in that church was something I'd never witnessed before, and it drew me into the point where I continued to go with her after that point. Yeah, and we, you know, we, we had been going, went to church, you know, every Sunday, and um, took the kids, and I almost feel like uh, because the church had had started to grow and it got pretty big that we almost got kind of lost in it um, because it was so big. You know, nobody really noticed when we weren't there. And yeah, it's easy so to it's, start missing, slip down that slope when nobody holds you accountable or nobody notices. Yeah, and. Um, so eventually, uh, drinking became became into our lives, and um, I think you know, from it's kind of started with you know we started missing church, and you kind of you get farther and farther away from God, and then you have something like drinking that comes into the mix, and it pulls you even farther, and um, and then we just felt I think just a lot of shame. I I know I personally felt a lot of shame, and. When we did go to church, it was I just felt like I wasn't shouldn't have been there. Um, like I didn't belong. It's exactly where we needed to be. It's exactly where we belong. But you don't think about that when you're diving down the the drinking rabbit hole that we went down. Um, it's um, deep. Yeah. Um, so we were into drinking um, pretty happily for a few years, for a long time, a long time, and. Um, it took, uh, I think, really the birth of my, our first granddaughter. Yeah. Um. That was definitely a changer for my wife, and she's always uh, thought of others more than herself her entire life. So to have another baby after coming to our lives after you know such a stretch of us not having kids, which we have five, uh, now we have three granddaughters. <clears throat> um, but to have that come in her life, I think, was the deal breaker of it, she needed to get over the hump of not drinking. Um, so uh, that's why I finally just had had enough. I, um, I stopped and it took a long time for me to, I, to still, I still felt that shame and um, still wasn't like getting back to God or doing anything um, for a while. And then, um, I think it was more of like the alcohol I needed like to get out of my body and I just needed to feel that I was, yeah and then I you know you start I start feeling like that God is he's here he's always been here um, you just need to start really seeking and so I just started really praying and um, I really do feel like the prayer just has it's just a bit amazing and just looking back, you see the answers to prayer that God has had, and 
um, even just getting us here. Yeah, because uh, it's not just the alcohol that we struggled with. It was um, having to relocate and me accepting a job at the railroad, which she struggled with at first, whether or not to, to move up here. Yeah. It seems like that was just the last piece of the puzzle that needed to happen before the, God's revealing himself and his grace and all of his goodness to us. It's, yeah, it seems I, like it's all coming into place up here. Yeah, I, I really do feel like God put us here. Um, I don't know that you know we would, we, we would be um, as good as we are um, in our marriage and just with our family if we weren't here. Well, it was ugly for me. I went in for shoulder surgery, which was the second uh, opportunity, if you will, that God gave me. First was, was in the hospital with pancreatitis from drinking. Uh, gave me an opportunity to drink and stop drinking there, and I wasn't listening. But after working with the trades my whole life, I got my rotator cuff torn to smithereens, so I had that repaired, which I came to be a, another blessing from God, just giving me another opportunity. Um, but I was listening this time, so it's been a year sober, and I'm proud of that. And my wife has been sober uh, much longer than that. But uh, I wouldn't be sober without her taking the first step uh, half a decade prior. So thanks, Mom. It was when we were... I think we started walking after my surgery, um, and it was at Lakeside Park. We were going out every day. It was fall. The leaves were changing. I just, it was more of a feeling than a feeling of all the ugliness of the past getting purged out or something. I don't know what was happening. I can't really describe it, um, but I know it was, it was God at work inside me, and I haven't looked back since. I've just been following that feeling trying to chase it, if you will, and grow at the same time. Yeah, and for me, I think um, back when I had stopped drinking um, is really when I started, you know, like after my body had kind of gone through all of its stuff and God had kind of, I started getting back into prayer and all of that. That's really, you know, just starting to pray. But really, when I truly felt even the, the closest to God is when I, we had moved up here, um, and we, I, you know, we didn't have, any, I didn't have any family or we hadn't any friends yet, and um, he was still drinking and um, yeah, no help whatsoever. So it, it, it really, uh, it, that really brought me closer to God because that, that's what I had. But looking back, it's, you know. It, and how God has worked in our life, I believe, anyway, is when I'm weak, she's strong, and vice versa. And he just, it just a proof is in the pudding that he, he uses our weaknesses and our strengths to, for his greater good. And now that you, when you start understanding that, it, uh, it, it starts making sense and makes you want to be a better person as well. I think just that whole last year of I, I, don't, I don't know if it was hell on earth, but it was bad for me. Um, you know, with panic attacks and quitting drinking, I quit smoking at the same time. It, it's I, I found him at La and found God in Lakeside Park, but I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to stepping forward and taking the next step, I guess, of, of being clean to my sins and 
viewing yeah, it differently. I think for me, it's just um, just seeing the past decade or more, and just seeing how far we've come from there, and getting through this the alcohol and just seeing that this is where we are, and it, it's, I think it's just the perfect time to for yeah. this to happen. I, and I'm just glad that we get to do it together. Yeah. I am. I am. <laughs> um, I'm, <laughs> it's definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm not usually one to have a spotlight, but um, I'm excited. And you're in my spotlight. <laughs>
Jesus kind of does that. Jesus does that. And what he does is while he's at this dinner table, uh, and what they're doing at the dinner table is they're celebrating Passover, which was a tradition that's kind of important to know a bit about. Uh, I'm going to nerd out with you for like one minute, uh, so stay with me here. But as they're celebrating this Passover, which is a tradition that kind of is important to know, uh, it's during Moses' time, uh, during the Old Testament, when God's people were enslaved, God decides to rescue them through Moses. So long story short, God empowers Moses to go to the king at that time, uh, who has God's people as slaves, and he set, wants him to say to him, uh, let my people go and stop having slaves. So the Pharaoh or the king of that time, he obviously says no, right? Like that's what most people would do. So God sends these plagues to convince the Pharaoh or the king of that time to let them go and, and to convince him of his power. So he sends gnats and grasshoppers and blood and darkness and other things, yet this king continues to say no. So there's one last plague that happens. God says he's going to take the firstborn of every family member if you don't let my people go. So Pharaoh still says no, and God warns Moses' people. He says, take the blood of a lamb and put it on, their, on your door so that when this final plague comes, it will pass over them. Well, it does. The Pharaoh is hurt and at loss as he lost his own firstborn. And he finally lets Moses and his people go. So Passover was this time that Jesus and his friends are remembering on how God freed them and how death passed over their generations of family. So God, or so Jesus is celebrating with his bros. He's, he's hanging out at this table with them. And he's eating flatbread as that's a big part of how you celebrate Passover. Not a pizza, just it was a traditional flatbread that they did. But Jesus says something kind of weird at the dinner table as they're celebrating this tradition. And I'll read it for you. It's Matthew 26, 26 to 28. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the sin forgiveness of sins. I'm guessing instantly there's some weird faces going on at this dinner table, right? Like, I thought we are just eating flatbread here and celebrating Passover. Yet Jesus is changing the script. He's changing things. And I think the first thing they're thinking is, Jesus is drinking too much wine right now. Like, they're, they're like thrown off by what's going on. He's talking about blood and body and eating it from him in remembrance of him. But they do it, though. The followers do it. And literally hours later, Jesus is arrested. He's killed on a cross. He rises from the dead. And he lives again. And before he leaves earth, he says, when we're connected to him, we too can have life after death. Now, with all this said, if you're daydreaming during that time, this is the time to listen. What we see happen is the acceptance of Jesus' death and life is just like the Passover lamb's blood that was put on the doors. Jesus is the lamb, and through our belief in him, permanent death will pass over us. And we can be brought back to life in heaven just like Jesus was. Death will pass over us just like it did for Moses and his people when we see Jesus as the sacrifice. That's powerful, right? That's powerful. So communion, it's this tradition for us, like Passover was for Moses' people. It's this time where we take to reflect on what Jesus has done, his death, and then how being a follower of Jesus makes sure that permanent death 
will pass over us so we can live in heaven forever. It doesn't matter how perfect you are, how messed up you are, what mistakes you've made or will make and more, but when you're connected to Jesus and accept his sacrifice, you are passed over of permanent death and will live with God forever. Have you accepted that? Have you told God you believe in him and accept that he is the one you need for forgiveness because you've been a messy person? When you do that, and if you believe that, you're ready for communion. In a minute or two, we're going to take communion. Uh, but before we actually do that, I want to make sure that you know exactly what to expect and what it's going to look like. Uh, I thought I'd share a little bit about my communion experience growing up. Uh, growing up, it, it was just a churchy thing to me, meaning something I had no clear understanding of. Something that like, I felt like, ooh, church snacks. Like, you know, like they, they pass out snacks during this time. And then you realize you're like, they're not very good, you know, like snacks. <laughs> um, but in that time, as I started to understand, like, what, what did it really mean? And I, I kind of looked into it a little bit. Um, it would get past, and there were times, even still, I felt like I just wasn't worthy. Or that I wasn't ready for it. Or I didn't believe enough. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're similar to me. Maybe today you feel unworthy or disconnected to God. But do you want to be made right? No matter what you've done or who you are, you're worthy and can take communion as long as you're connected to Jesus and believe in him. That's what communion is all about. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done for you and how there's an open seat at the table of being a part of it and that it will always be there for you. So as we're about to take communion, I want to give you the breakdown of some standard questions to be very clear of who should take it, who shouldn't, so you know exactly what to expect. What is it? What is communion? Well, communion, it's literally a symbolic action remembering that Jesus paid his life for us to be forgiven and that we can have forever life with God after we die here on earth. So we eat the bread to remember how his body was killed and beaten for us as our punishment that we deserve for our mistakes. And then we drink juice to remember of how his blood ran when he was killed for us. We're not, we're not literally drinking blood or the body of Jesus when we do this. It's simply to remember. It's a symbolic act. Who should take it? Or, or, or not, not who should, but why should someone take it? Uh, Jesus says to do it in remembrance of him. So someone should take it to be reminded of what Jesus has done for them. Who should and shouldn't take it? Well, in order to remember or be reminded of something, such as Jesus' death for you, and you've you got to have a relationship with him. To be reminded of something, you have to actually like know him. So you first need to believe and have a relationship with Jesus. That relationship is simply you saying to God at some point in your life, I need you. I want to follow you, I know I'm not perfect, and I accept your sacrifice. So someone should only take communion, though, if they believe that, have said that, and have a relationship with Jesus. So don't take it if you're not a follower of God. I give you a ton of respect if you're here and you kind of sit back. It means you're honestly taking things seriously. If you, if you don't take communion, you don't feel it's right, because honestly, that's between you and God. So that's our who. Now, finally, our when. When should you take communion? When you are a follower of Jesus, and then after you've gone to God and said, sorry for your mess-ups. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, it says this, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So it says you need to examine yourself, or basically 
go to God and just say sorry. Sorry for the mess up. Sorry for the things maybe you don't even know that you've done against him. But go to him and say sorry and make things right between you and God. So what communion will look like for us is I'm going to have Sydney. She's going to come up and she's going to play uh, some music. And what you're going to do is we're going to take about 30 seconds or so to examine ourselves. It's just for you personally to do with God. To ask for forgiveness, to pray, and to remember what God has done for you. Maybe for you, maybe for you right now, you need to take the time to just embrace the fact that, perm- that you don't have to experience permanent death because Passover will happen for you when you're connected to Jesus. So right now, maybe you've never embraced that before. Maybe you need to pray to him and say you accept that and you want to start a relationship with him. Maybe you, maybe you are uncomfortable at it all. You can just sit back and like relax for the next minute here and be totally fine. But after our 30 seconds of reflecting and examining ourselves and asking for forgiveness, we're going to take communion together. There are packets in front of you in the chairs there. There's a wafer on top of the juice packet, and we'll take it together. And I'll, I'll announce when we take the bread and when we take the juice. So let's take our 30 seconds to reflect. First Corinthians 11.23, it says this. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the bread and eat. says in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me and as often as you drink it my hope for you today is you've been able to reflect on what you have to celebrate, on what God is doing through you, our church, and our community. But the celebration doesn't stop today uh, because it's actually Baptism Sunday. And I want to just take uh, what we just talked about one step deeper as an extra celebration since it's Baptism Sunday. Uh, Baptism is also tied to Moses Jesus and fresh starts and it's so fitting with what we talked about. I promise we're wrapping up soon, but but just like communion is so powerful when you know the backstory, there's some Old Testament backstory to baptism as well. And it's also tied to Moses' time. 
Baptism, it means to be immersed, right? Underwater. And what it represents is people publicly stating they are a follower of Jesus. That they're putting to death symbolically their old life and putting it underwater. And they're coming up forward in the new, back up, rebirth with a relationship with Jesus. It says in Mark 16, 16, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. I know describing it makes it sound like it's this magical thing. It's not. It's purely an outward representation of what's happening inside. It's putting to action what you are experiencing inside. Well, if we go back to Moses' time, when people were finally released from being enslaved, from being freed by, the, by, by, by God, they get to a spot where the Pharaoh or the king of that time, he realizes, I just let all my free labor go thousands of people go and he attempts to get them back they've been led to the red sea by moses and they're caught in the sea thousands of people and something needs to happen they're in this roadblock like literally they were free but then they realize he doesn't <laughs> if they're free it doesn't mean that life's going to be instantly easy and they start to realize the pharaoh's coming for them so they they through god are able to cross the Red Sea. And I'm picturing something epic like this, right? Like the sea's kind of up on the sides. They, they walk through the path, and they're able to go to the other side. But as you think about that picture, and maybe you've heard this story a ton of times, what many scholars believe is symbolically that when they're walking through the water, away from a time of slavery, away from a time of hurt, of being stuck in a rut, they go through through the water, to the other side, to a new life. Sure, it, it maybe was just a moment that we see as miraculous, but for them, I'm sure when they walked through the water, it wasn't just a moment. As inside, they knew what God has been doing for them. He's bringing them to new life. It's so powerful, right? To go from slavery, through the water, and then new life. That's what's happening in baptism. So as we think about the roots of communion and baptism coming from Moses, this week I want to challenge you to see yourself the way God sees you, as clean, new, and forgiven. For you, does that mean maybe you need to forgive yourself this week? For you, does that mean you need to forgive someone else? Maybe that for you that means actually changing your ways. Before the band continues uh, and kind of wraps up our service, I'm going to pray for us to have that happen in our lives so that we can live without baggage and if you want that too, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us just such clear and positive examples of how new life can be experienced through you. God, we thank you for all that you've done, the sacrifice you've done for us. God, we thank you for giving us opportunities to have fresh starts, new life. God, I just pray that as, as we reflect on that personally, we have that happen inside. But then, God, we pray for others that, that need to have that happen as well. And then, God, as we move forward and, and celebrate the baptisms that are happening after this service, I just pray that we continue to celebrate all that you're doing here in this church. In your name we pray. Amen.